I recently discovered that pumping gas, my first job out of high school, is like the dodo bird facing extinction. Only two states, Oregon and New Jersey, mandate full-service gas stations, and the Oregon legislature recently passed a bill reducing full-service stations to half of the state's gas stations. I think it's hard to find people who really want to pump gas these days, um, and I get it. It's 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 not the sexiest job, but it's you know it's it's needed. It's it's vital. It helps our gas stations thrive, and and um, it helps the small business community thrive. But yeah, it's definitely it's certainly a challenge, and it's certainly a cost for for fuel retailers, especially as the minimum wage goes up. When I graduated from high school in 1956, at the age of 17, I'd given no thought to a career beyond playing ball for my hometown Pittsburgh Pirates. But when I didn't play well enough in my senior year to attract a bird dog or a scout, I had, as my mother kept reminding me, to find a job. That fall, when other kids were headed back to school and I was still bumming around, my mother told my father, who was working at a local golf station as a mechanic, called a grease monkey in those days, to see if he could get our do-nothing son a job. I'd been around gas stations all my life because that was how my father earned a living. But horsing around gas pumps and grease racks as a kid hadn't prepared me for working in a gas station. On my first morning on the job, after climbing into an ill-fitting, oil-smelling golf coverall, I was told that my main job, beside keeping the crapper clean, was to wait on customers at the gas island. My instructions were to greet each customer, who was paying 25 cents a gallon for golf regular, with a smile and asked if I could fill her up with no knocks or crests, golf's premium gasolines. I was so miserable, however, that every time a car pulled into the station, I dragged myself to the island, glowered in silence at the driver, and hoped he only wanted a buck or two of regular. I hated to fill her up because in those days, cars had no shutoff valve in the gas tanks. If I didn't pay attention, and I seldom did, the tank would fill up and shoot gas up the line. Before I could stop pumping, the gas would overflow and spill down the back bumper or tail of the car, not to mention soaking my shoes and socks and staining the driveway. After I finished pumping gas, I was supposed to ask the driver if I could check the oil and clean the windshield, but I made a point of ignoring the dirty windshield and forgetting about the oil. If the poor driver was foolish enough to ask me to clean his windshield, he had to sit there in dismay and watch me use a special golf spray that transformed the soot from Pittsburgh steel mills into an oily film. If the driver had the nerve to remind me to check the oil after I smeared his windshield, I fumbled with the hood release puzzled over the location of the dipstick, then tried, usually without success, to read the level of the oil gauge. Usually I told the driver the oil looks okay, no matter what the oil gauge read, took the money, watched the car with its dripping gas stain, wheel out of the gas station, looking as if it had just peed itself. When I turned 18 in the spring of 1957, I left my dollar-an-hour job at the gas station for a variety of jobs where I made little more money, but was just as miserable. For the next few years, I worked, or reluctantly worked, at factories, mills, and warehouses. Out of sheer boredom and despair, I even tried to join the Navy, 
but was rejected when I couldn't straight out my left arm because I shattered my elbow playing high school football. I ended up working at Gimbel's department store in downtown Pittsburgh as a stock boy until I finally realized that I was going nowhere with my life and decided to apply to college. That turned out to be the best decision I'd made to that point in my misbegotten life. At the age of 22, five years out of high school, I enrolled at Edinburgh, a small state college in northwestern Pennsylvania. For the next four years, I read literary giants from Chaucer to James Joyce, earned a teaching certificate, and after earning advanced degrees, went on to teach the world's greatest literature for the next four decades. I was also lucky enough to marry the prettiest girl at Edinburgh. When our kids saw our wedding pictures, they wondered how a funny-looking guy like me convinced Anita to marry me. I told them I've always been able to make her laugh. This is Pete Peterson for WSIU Radio.